Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals, the podcast that allows every therapist, nail tech and stylist to level up, build their career and reach for their dreams. Each episode we'll be looking at a different area of the industry and along the way I'll be chatting with salon owners, industry leaders and experts who'll be sharing their stories on how they achieved their goals, made their successes, all to inspire you in your business and career. I'm Sue Davies, your host, award-winning salon owner and industry professional. Welcome to Inspiring Salon Professionals. So hello and welcome to this week's Inspiring Salon Professionals. This week I am on video, so I know that I'm going to be recording an episode with a guest. I'm really excited to bring on my earlier guest. She is um, pivoting her business somewhat from when we spoke last time. And um, and Sam is moving far more into an area that I think probably is going to suit her so much better because she's a really caring um, and helpful person in herself and so she's moving into well-being and creating positive cultures in the salon um, environment so today we're going to be talking about a video really that that Sam put together that caught my eye and I just thought it'd be really really helpful to have her on at this time of year because it's very um, difficult time of the year for a lot of people business-wise and personally there's a lot of things at Christmas that trigger a lot of different thought patterns and ways of paving and she began talking to us about refreezing Christmas stress really this goes I mean it does work throughout the rest of the year as well so it doesn't matter if you pick this episode up in March or August um, or if you are watching around the Christmas period you'll see that I'm in full festivity um, but Sam is going to be talking to us today about that rephrasing and about talking about um, how we think about stress and how we can help our workforce and our teams and ourselves to have a much less um, stressed Christmas. So I will see you on the other side. I'm really hoping it's going to be an interesting interview. And um, yeah, see you in a moment. So welcome to Sam Blake. And Sam has been a guest before, so you will have seen her if you've been catching up on all the episodes. But Sam's having a little bit of a change of direction. So Sam, do you want to kind of explain what it is that you are um, moving into? Because it's a really important thing for the industry. Will do, but let's do a cheers first. Yes. That was in your Zoom for ages. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Nabuno mug. Yeah, my Nabuno mug. <laughs> Love it. Mm. Oh, I'm I getting know. notifications now. Hold on. There we go. Right. So... You will know me as the Safer Salon Geek. I am still the Safer Salon Geek, but I'm fast forwarding where I thought I'd be in two years' time to now that my end goal was always about worker well-being and the health and safety side of being in salon, in clinic, as a solo. So I retrained in the summer to be a mental health first aid instructor um, so we'll be delivering some tertiary controls, back to those control things with a risk Sounds assessment. Like a posh, posh lot of um, words there. But yeah, so I've got the beauty background, prone as a hairdresser, I've got level two, never professed to be any good at that. I can do your good blow drive, that's about it. Um, was a spa therapist, massage therapist, you know, white tights brigade. So I've walked the walk in the knowing what it's like to be employed, what it's like to be a solopreneur, what it's like to be a manager, working corporate, independent, little tiny closet salon, you know, I've, I've been there. Um, and it's that I remember the pressure that I felt 
So even with that external stuff going on, you know, I'm, I'm been divorced once. So, you know, you, you go through these journeys in your life yeah. while you're serving other people. And as an aromatherapist, as a body therapist, as yeah. a holistic therapist, I remember having to really sort of have a good talk with myself about how to, to be with my clients when I wasn't particularly feeling great. Yeah, because I, so, I think that's something that's really, especially in the holistic side of things, and when you are, when you're literally laying your hands on people, and I know when I've had difficult times in my life, the last thing I want to do is put that, yeah. what that what's going yeah. through me, because you yeah. know that that's going to transfer. And um, yeah, so managing it is really important. It's having the energy to be giving, because that's what we do, whether we're, yeah doing some nail art on somebody's nails or blow drying somebody's hair or talking to them about their colour, the end point for us is always that feeling that the client goes away with as well as the aesthetic. Yeah. So, yeah, it was always very much within my journey through education and with my students. Um, just that very few places had a great uh, culture for worker wellbeing yeah in my what I've experienced in my industry career life and the very best quicked me out when I was having marriage difficulties stuck me literally on an island to go away and work you know um to, to give me that space to get they turned that that pressure that dial yeah. right down for me at work so it's this this chat is really about the little video that I put out the other day, isn't it? About that's, what, that's what kind of made me go, let's get pressure. Sam. Because this is it's a really, it's a difficult time of year. There's so many stresses and so many different things that we put on ourselves that our clients put on us. And we have to realise how to adapt to the clients putting that pressure on us. Well, I don't know um, about you. It's, it's this time of year is just that, the bucket is full with people. Yeah. It really is. And it only takes a specific memory, negative memory, a specific stress. Yeah. Um, you know, the person in front of you in the queue taking too long when you're doing your shopping before you're coming into the salon or, or something yeah. like that. The clients are walking in in a stressed out state and we're on this high level fight, flight, anxiety, got to deal with the clients, got to get them in. It's got to be perfect. Everything's got to be perfect. And there's that stress that we put on ourselves to serve properly. Yeah. And, you know, we've got, I don't know, Mrs. Green coming in who's just so wired that one more drop, you know, and she's, yeah. she's bubbling over. And it's ha Nobody really teaches you to deal with that side of service. So no. in corporate, we would have done conflict resolution. You know, we would have done conflict resolution training. Um, but if you're that four-person salon, five persons or even eight person salon and you don't know what you don't know where do you go to kind of get that information yeah in in a way that's molded for our industry yeah so and that's, that's where you're going to step in you know that's what that's what i'm about moving yeah. forward taking the stuff that happens in corporate and going okay what do i know what do i don't know how can i spin that to make our gorgeous salons these places, these hubs where people want to come and work because there's a culture there that spills out from the clients even talking about how staff are together. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the other thing, isn't it? You know, we, we've had conversations before 
um, about working um, way back when in some really rubbish environments where you didn't get a lunch break, you, you know, you worked through, you worked over and you were just wired by the end of the day, either wired or just... And I was, when I when I had my salon, the first couple of years, we just work, 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 work. And because I think the biz, I opened my business cleverly. I opened on the 19th of November, which was a really amazing time of the year to open. Um, so that Christmas was so vital, that first Christmas. And we literally worked back to back, no breaks. We, we literally ate on the run. If we got finished five minutes, then we ran to the shop and grabbed something terrible to eat. Um, but over the next few years... I realized that we needed to do something different. And so I did, and I scheduled dedicated, like I can't remember the times now, probably 15 minute breaks, something like that. Every couple of hours, I gave us a 15 minute break and we had like a proper half an hour break at lunchtime. So we, you know, you, because everybody wanted to work and get through because they were um, self-employed that were in my salon mainly at that time. And I did have a couple of employees as well. But everybody was quite happy to work. And we just, and I just staggered breaks all through the day. And I used to supply um I mean bad bad food really but you know sausage rolls and scotch eggs and all but all that kind of party food so yeah. that there was something simple breads and tzatziki and hummus and stuff so there's something that's quick and simple that you can grab on the run um, a few quality streets thrown in of course because it's Christmas um, but it was but just to give them something that they know that when they finish Mrs Green they can they've got 10-15 minutes to go and you know go and have a bit of fresh air walk around the garden do whatever they need to do so that they come back in feeling refreshed because there's nothing worse than that you get to a point where you haven't been to the loo for seven hours which is ridiculous yeah which is not it's not healthy on so many levels and and I think you know every year you see all these girls and like having the snow now is going to make it worse seeing girls already this morning saying that they're going to close their salons because they don't want to drive in the snow or they can't get to work because they're so there's too much snow um, and so then that 10 clients that were on that day for each of those therapists has then got to move somewhere. So we're going to be, the pressure pot's going to be building yeah. at this point. Where are we going to be putting them? Yeah. Yeah. And those girls are all going to be having that stress. The managers, owners of those salons are going to be feeling it. So it comes back to your processes, doesn't it? And how you forge your salon. So hearing what you said you know you you went through it hammer and tongs for a few years and then suddenly went actually my culture has got to change yeah and again you don't know what you don't know if you don't know how to create a business with a culture we just know how to do our treatments yeah and we're learning about our pricing and everything else that goes with it yeah that cultural side of when it's particularly just been you or maybe you know, a trusted other, and it's been two of you, three of you, and then you start to grow your people, that becomes a salon operational procedures thing that you've got to have your SOP in place. And part of your SOP really needs to be, okay, well, how do I look after my team? So just so if anyone that's listening or watching that doesn't know what a SOP is, could you please explain what a SOP is? Oh, it's your blueprint. It is your everything comes out of your SOP. So whether that is how, so if I put my health and safety head on, I do method statements for cleaning in a health and safety pack. How you physically do your ABCDs in the day. 
you're already doing it. You've probably got a cleaning rotor. You've probably got a little bit that you give out at induction. Maybe you've got a full induction system. But your salon operation procedure is literally how you open, how you close, what you do within that time, the extension of what you do every week, whatever you, what you do every month, what you do every yeah. quarter, how you deliver your brand, your service, your client experience. And that stretches right out to your customer journey. We then get into have you got your website, Google your business. Yeah. It's your massive bigger picture thing. Yeah. But when you strip it back, everybody does the massive picture. But what I'm good at with my left-handed brain is I look at the infinite detail and the finesse yeah. and, and did as a manager of what are we delivering, how are we delivering it, even down to how you fold your towel yeah. and you present your room. That's very important. The smell, important. the sound, the temperature, yeah. you know, as, as two perimenopausal is, women, yeah. we don't want to be going into a hot room. <laughs> I know because I've quit jumping and I'm severely regretting it this morning but but it is but I think that that the SOP thing or SOP is vital and and so many new solopreneurs or salon owners don't always understand and I know with me so much of it was in my head I did I tried so many times to create this whole salon manual and I and but it lived in my head and I found it really really hard to get it out this is what I always say now with the tech that we've got you can have your blueprint, you can have flow charts, you can make it visual, you can do whatever your staff need it to be. And we yeah. could get into neurodiversity and all sorts going down yeah. that rabbit hole. That's a, that's a whole nother, another chat. But the whole well-being side, the whole recruitment side, mm-hmm. you know, I would question how many smaller salons actually do appraisals. Do you actually have a set induction system? Because it becomes this, what you see all over Facebook, oh, you know, it's always Sally Ann with me. You'll have to excuse me. That's Louise's fault because we always have Sally Ann models. Sally (laughs) (laughs) will, you know, moan about, you know, Matilda not doing X, Y and Z properly on Facebook. But when you actually have a little chat with Sally Ann, she's got no SOP. She's got no system. She's got no processes. So that's on your kind of functionality side. The thing that always gets ignored is how are you looking after each other? How are you giving time? How I call it the pause. How are you creating that pause in the day that you come together as a team? Because even that five minute start at meeting, that handover book helps with the psychological safety of being listened to by not only your boss or the salon owner, but everybody within that team. So psychological safety yeah. is something that I would say I felt 74% of the time in my employed career. Yeah. And when it's bad, it's really bad. And that's where you get people jumping shit. You know, as a coper, my personality type is, you know, throw me in with anything and I will cope and I will thrive to a point. Yeah. And it will be a very long point, but... I would be the person who, why are you holding your, why, why are you uh, handing your notice in? And I'm like trying to tell the person, this has been a very, very long time yeah. coming yeah. for me to get to that point, to go, sorry, I can't do this for you anymore. Yeah, that's it. That's um, the same with me. I'll, I'll, I will tolerate, I've got a very high tolerance level of, yeah, of being crapped on basically, which is, which is not, it's not a good thing because no. you, 
you just your resiliency in the end just dies a death and it and it, oh god itchy face today ah oh, menopausy stuff itchy itchy um but it's yeah but you that, that whole thing of like recognizing that you have got people within your team that aren't coping and are pretending to cope because i think that's the thing isn't it the mask is, yeah. co- coping is the worst thing in the world and i so i'm going to digress slightly one of my friends um has suffered with very quite extreme mental health issues over the years and and her she had a full breakdown proper breakdown and that was because she coped with a very very challenging personal situation involving um family members that had been very very um damaged in a big um industrial accident and um and she coped for two years with this and eventually her cope broke and um and she ended up in the hospital and was very very unwell for, and she's still I mean she's in her 70s now and she's still and she still has issues with mental health and and I think that coping thing and I can remember when I had my daughter I, I ended up with postnatal depression and I can remember this person this particular woman saying to me you've got to stop coping because coping is not actually dealing with anything and it, all the time you're coping there's a problem and it, yeah but it's, yeah. It's, i've still carried well, that, on my that's, the, man- that's man- the manifestation yeah. of it building and building and building into something where you you go pop yeah, you and that can take years stress yeah. builds up yeah. over years yeah um but yeah I, uh, my belief having you know that sort of 74 percent great experience in industry is i look at what was the case within that organization or within that small business or within that education establishment how did they treat me as an employee was I valued and it for me I can even I can think now going right back to recruitment processes and the way that you know even the advert was constructed wasn't about necessarily what was needed at the place but it's what spoke to me of what I needed the type of place that I needed to work in at that point and again I think that's where a lot of people get it wrong that it's we need this we need this we'll give you xyz xyz without actually like we do with our marketing looking at the persona of who we're actually talking to who we're trying to attract and that that's your your baseline for how you're sending out what you do for psychological safety if you want the right staff think about that within you yeah. know how you're recruiting your staff avatar isn't it really you know, I yeah. mean, like you say we talk about client avatars all the time um but our staff avatar is probably really as important because they will help with as client avatar but also one of the things i was just talking about in the last episode was about really thinking about what your salon avatar is and i think you know we all need to look at that picture that goes out to the world of what our salon is about and what our business is about and what we're about and um yeah, it's your messaging. because we our clients are looking for that feedback from us and our staff are looking for that feedback from us so we need to as business owners start putting out there what we're about look i had a conversation with somebody the other day about um eco and sustainability and the the first hurdle is always but that's expensive to do and then it becomes a bigger picture thought process of you know okay you've got to look at your pricing structure and everything else However, look at your client avatar. You're telling me that you're getting vegan products in as a, a, a third line, for example. But what are you doing within your culture, within your brand, within 
your your whole kind of bubble to attract that person into your bubble yeah so it's it's deeper thinking isn't it, isn't it? at the end of the and day even, yeah, we were talking when we just before we came on about branding and stuff and about colors and you know and if you are if you're going to be that vegan salon that's organic and does everything how much green brown and ochre colors and stuff have you got in your branding are you pink and rose gold because that doesn't tell someone that you're going to be big you know it tells them that there's going to be a nice salon they're going to come out looking great but it doesn't tell them what your fundamental belief is and yeah. you're using color to do that and also and that, i'm going to pick you up on that keyword there that belief yeah so that belief of what you're trying to create for your client so what is your belief of this treasure chest of people and they are your treasure chest um who are, who goes into that treasure chest yeah you actually understand about personality typing and how team demographics are actually yeah. formed to create that superpower yeah you know those jewels coming out of your treasure chest yeah deliver your vision your brand mm-hmm. to your client base yeah and I, I just having again been on the receiving end of it of this is what we do this is how we do it that's great mm. but I'd probably say on one occasion I shouldn't have been employed because I wasn't that person who couldn't give my client time so on that one day trial as I had in my head at the end of the day I just said this place isn't for me I'm really sorry but I'm not the right fit for you yeah it's like so many people there was when where I used to live in Kent there was a a a spa that was fairly local to me that's a fairly nationally well-known it's won loads of awards and all the rest of it and I visited it as a client and um and it's one of the reasons that I actually ended up going in to do what I do now. And I sat having all these treatments and thought, do you know what? I'm actually, it's time. I'm going to do this now because I've been wanting to do it since I was a teenager. And that that experience made me want to do it. But it also made me never want to work there <laughs> because I could see how their therapists were treated because it literally is a conveyor belt. And, you know, as you come, as you come out of the room as the client, the next client's sitting outside waiting to go in. Mm. And it those poor, I mean, just unworkable and um and for me I'm like you I want I want to be able to give that experience and that calmness and not to and for the clients to never feel the pressure that I've got to turn that around that having you know training people to have that kind of process of that time they've got with their client I've again I've rarely had that conversation with a manager you know the how we deliver what we deliver within an induction process to say okay you need to be out five minutes before so that there's no crossover with the client so when we talk about stress and when we talk about pressure the pressure is to deliver the service within that time and get that turnaround time going on yeah and to have your systems in place like if the client turns up late for example then what does the person say this is all kind of like the the, the superficial level to yeah. your psychological safety that that person knows how to interact with that client but you have to rewind that back down back down to that systems and procedures that i love and policies yeah. i call it policy and practice it's all yeah. very well and good like with health and safety um you know the tick box activity thing that seems to be what some in our industry think health and safety is it's not what it is it's not just having a piece of paper banked 
just in case you've got to pull it out. It's okay, well, within those policies, you know, you're talking about a dermatitis policy. How do you bring that in every week, every day into your salon? Yeah. It's a smidgen of psychological safety. But if you've got somebody who you've employed with dry skin, history of eczema, you've got a duty of care to yeah. everybody in the salon, you know, once a week on a five minute meeting, let's check our hands. Yeah. Simple. Let's check our hands. Anything change. We look at ourselves every day. We're not going to see it. Somebody else might. But it's that togetherness that yeah. we've got each other's back type of aspect. Yeah. Um, that I, I think works on the flip side of that when you've got a member of the team who's poorly and again I've worked in environments where that person wasn't necessarily managed properly the HR systems were not in place so you know one instance that automatically springs of mind the pressure dial would go up and it would become a stress around a certain period of every month when you know we all knew we were savvy this person was going to be off for various reasons so we then have to take on their clients yeah but there'd be no managing of the column to pre-plan and kind of accommodate this no sort of restructuring in our timetables yeah. so me being the copa i'm fine yeah i can stay after work yeah because i've already thought in my head i'm gonna have to block out another two hours yeah i'll do overtime the mum with two kids every month yeah so I had pressure because I learned to dial it up and dial it down. She had stress. Yeah. Who lasted longer in the job role? Brilliant yeah. therapist. Amazing therapist. Yeah. Put too much in the stress bucket. That's it. And, later, isn't it and if, the, and if the, the, um, the management team aren't recognising that or aren't aware that that needs to be looked at, because I think this is the thing as well, isn't it? And you talk about corporate earlier. You know, I come from a corporate background before I came into industry and in corporate employment law is seen so much more um seriously um and oh god I lost me hang on one second hang don't on, worry it's an outtake I know <laughs> I've got oh, a story to talk about the side I know it's because I, I can't turn these notifications off the joys of of zoom and having a computer that you can't make the notifications disappear anyway um but the whole thing with the corporate is that you you get managed differently i've found and um and i think that there's a whole structure and i think that that is missing in industry so if there's anything we can do to put some kind of structure and protection in for our employees and for our clients how, as well. how many people get trained to be a manager no. how many people within their sop yeah. <laughs> look at it from the HR point of view yeah. and go, okay, well, if I'm going to elevate this therapist, who's a brilliant therapist, doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a brilliant manager to no. that management level. That's then putting extra pressure on that person because you're not helping them achieve the expectations that you've got in your head, but you've not yeah. put any sort of plan of action to help them achieve no. what you need them to no. achieve. So, yeah, it's, it's bigger picture thinking, isn't it? But to draw isn't back down I, to that psychological think, safety aspect, it yeah, how do you do what need, you do? Yeah, we need to change and that whole thing around like um the culture within salons, you know, that you having the tools because so much of it is, isn't it? If if you if and going back, there was a I did an episode with Carl Hinder recently and he spoke about um, being a therapist with a set of keys. 
and so many of us as salon owners, 100%. we have, we, you know, we may develop as salon owners and as managers, but initially probably 70, 80% of us are therapists with a bunch of keys or hairdressers with a bunch that of keys. That rewinds back to understanding people's personalities as well yeah. and their, and think, their own abilities. Yeah. That, you know, I've, I've been there, you've yeah. been there, here's a set of keys, you're managing the salon there. Yeah, and it's like, you know, it's mind-blowing because you you do so many of us go from that role of being behind the desk behind the couch whatever whatever area we work in in the industry we go from that to suddenly having mega responsibility with no training with no support with no understanding necessarily you know we might have read a book about opening our salon but you know we probably did that years ago and we're now wherever we are that's and, us with and our if, and creating types. that culture in you're, industry you're saying to, that that's what you and I would do yeah. If I think back to my students over a 16 year period, I can think of, you know, more than half, if not three quarters, wouldn't even think to even pick a book up. Yeah. Get on a podcast. And I mean, I was, I was really, like I, I can, I count myself as really fortunate that I came into the industry in my, uh, probably, I must have been my late, I don't know what I was, in my 30s, 22 years ago. So I was about the yeah, mid 30s when I came into, but I was 30, 33, I think, was when I did my first course. And, um, but before that, I'd worked in the health service for 18 years and I'd worked as a PA, I'd worked as an office manager. I helped my husband set his business up. I used to do his VAT account. Well, I still do his VAT accounts even now, um, all these years <laughs> on. But I'd, so I'd always done his bookkeeping. So I, ha I had a whole mine of information in my head about how to do operations, how to manage teams, how to do so many different things that huge numbers of people coming in with their set of keys don't have. And if you haven't got those trans the transferable skills, and I've spoken about this so many times on the podcast about transferable skills and recognizing what skills you have got and how you can develop those within your business. And that's, and it isn't, I think you and I, Sam, are in places now where everything we do is about trying to get people to understand that there's more skill to what we do than just putting some face cream on someone's face and massaging it, massaging it in a beautiful way or doing a lovely blow dry or doing a nice set of nails. Or being diligent so with your waxing, yeah. We, um, as an industry, we need to evolve to recognise that those other skills, and, and, it, and it kills me that they're called soft skills because it's so often referred to as a soft skill. And in actual fact, they're so fundamental to what we do. Mm. So, yeah, anyway, we could go on for hours about that. <laughs> but I want to pick up on the, the phrase that you've used several times about the pressure. And when I listened to your little video that you put on the group the other day, um, it, it was like a bit of a light bulb moment for me because I've been a stress head for years and, and I've gone through like, yeah, I've had counseling, all sorts of wonderful, joyful things to try and get me through the other end of it. And at no point have I ever, and maybe someone has said it to me previously, but it's never sunk in. But when I listened to your video the other day, this whole thing around pressure and that pressure is, a, is, is, it, is part of stress, but it's something that can be relieved and it's something that can come off. And to me, it was like, it just felt like, you know, the analogy of like when we're doing massage and we put pressure on and pressure off and stuff. And it, it, it was like, oh yeah, wake up moment. And I think that whole thing about rephrasing the word stress into pressure that can disappear and not getting trapped in that stress. Because for me, I've been trapped in stress for way too long. 
So I've just put you on mute because the dog's with her heart condition, having a really good cough. Oh, he's so, so lover. Yeah. And I can oh, hear her snoring every now and again. <laughs> yeah, she's there, always by my feet. Mine have disappeared. I've got mine out of the room now because they were driving me mad. Oh, the outtakes with dogs. Yeah, it's that. Yeah. So moving forward with what I do and what I'm about, um, I've got some brilliant HSE, Health and Safety Executive, have just brought out some brilliant training. Um. <laughs> menopause brains kicked in yeah. the <laughs> it's great isn't it <laughs> i said i don't even know what you was what was I, like i've lost it now okay we're gonna have to have a pause in your thing on your podcast with this and put a bit of music in yeah um that's fine we can so we were talking about um about what you're offering and about um hse thank you there you so, go we got back I'm leaving this in because I think it's really important <laughs> that people understand that this is what happens and the brain just stops functioning. Oh, I think seriously, we're just really if you are watching this, even if you're a 25-year-old woman, man, what have you, get Davina McCall's book because that is such an eye-opener yeah. um, and will help you to I understand how to dial the stress level down the pressure level down for somebody who is perimenopausal because I can tell you now you can sit and you could be talking and I'm on it I've always been on it I'm like quick fire quick fire yo summity Sam on it no those hormones kick in and you are well and truly stuffed anyway HSE HSE have just released all of their data in November about um, the percentage of people off sick across all industries with work-related stress or stress anxiety or depression and it was creeping up obviously with the pandemic that's the word that I never mentioned now you know you knew you know common sense it was going to shift musculoskeletal disorder has always been that top level now for the HSE to be recognizing in their inspections obviously we don't get those yet, that stress is a massive, massive, massive deal, massive impact on any industry, any business. For them actually to be working with Ebosh and writing a course together, yeah. that's got to tell us something. Absolutely. So I'm off in January doing that, a well-being um, in the workplace, basically cementing everything that I already know, right? Yeah. Get a bit of paper, because we like a bit of paper in our industry. So, yeah. even Gecko to kind of and Wall Street to thank for the put that th- thing about stress, haven't we? That it's good and we should thrive. We should thrive under stress. And that in fact is the last thing for me. It's wrong phrasing. Yeah, there's no such thing as positive stress because of the impact it has on your endocrine system. Yeah, you know the impact it has on your gut health. It, there's no such thing as positive stress. No. I don't care what anybody says. No. I just had a blood test once when I was going through my vitamin D deficiency stuff, and um, and I had got and I now that and that is I mean that's a hub, that's a whole other episode, but I, when I was going through that I was being tested for so many different health conditions because we couldn't work out I was so unwell, and um, and I was I remember being at London Bridge Hospital, um, fortunately I had some health scheme that I could use and I ended up at London Bridge Hospital, and I sat with this doctor who was an endocrine specialist, and. Um, and I was in such a raised state of anxiety, stress. I literally could barely talk without bursting into tears. It was a horrendous period of my life. 
And I sat in his office and I was going, but there's this and there's that. And I feel like this and I hurt and there's all these terrible things. And I ended up getting really distressed and having probably really like an anxiety attack. Anxiety must have been attack, along yeah. those lines. I've never good at working out if that's what that is because I just was really stressed. And um, and he's like, right, okay, we're going to do you. And he did a, cort- he did a, a, a what do you call it, cortisol um, test there and then. And um, because he thought I might have had Cushing's um, syndrome. Yeah. And um, because of how I was how I was presenting and stuff. And my oh, my God, honestly. But he said, we need you to go and sit somewhere quietly first to let your levels try and come back down. But even doing that, my level, I mean, fortunately, I didn't have Cushing syndrome. But um, but my stress levels at that point and the cortisone run or cortisol running through my body was so high Hi, yeah and I was constantly ju- and just but let's, let's rewind thinking. that story back yeah. right you're presenting in salon yeah. as somebody who can cope yeah who suddenly has a change who if you know you're going to be thinking <clears throat> okay how much daylight do we get yeah. in a salon you know we've spoke before you've got your UV yeah. filters on the window because you got your gel polish yeah so we think we're getting daylight we think we're getting sunlight rewind that to you're in a team environment you're suddenly starting to behave slightly differently yeah my cousin intervened but who exactly your cousin intervened we spend the majority of our time at work yeah and again this is that transference with corporate that you've got a hr team and their tertiary controls in our industry you know and i'm not going to decry anything that anybody does with their support on the end of the phone and everything else but that's practical that's the practical of you need this 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 and this in place not the holistic of do you have the skill set to be looking at a person who you've known six months three months three years ten years and go bloody hell there's been a bit of a change in you yeah. And being able to have a non-judgmental conversation with that person yeah. and broach it in that work environment. Yeah. yeah. Been there. Because, I mean, that that lead up to me being in that um, consultant room, consultancy room, was in the, I'd, I'd been becoming progressively more and more visibly not right. And it got to the Christmas of 2014. And I'd had a particularly massive year of lots of different things going on um including my daughter moving to scotland to go to university which was probably the, the pinnacle and was the worst thing that happened and after she, even now it still makes me go a bit oh yeah it's terrible even she's and she lives up there now and i should know better but it's, it's still that the thought of her going still does this to me Ugh, anyway like press. i know but it's but it is it's, it's there isn't it because it's the emotion of yeah it. it's the emotion but by that christmas my cousin who worked with me, she just said to me, like, what is wrong with you? Like, there is something really not right with you. And it wasn't, but she's the one that she stepped in and she she created what you needed. It's terrible, isn't it? It's still there. But she created what you need in that moment, which is an intervention. Yeah. And if she hadn't have intervened, I don't know where I would have been. But she made me go to the doctors, which was what made me understand that I had this, like, literally zero vitamin D. I had nothing left in me. So it's no wonder I felt as rubbish as I did. And it, 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 it took that, about 18, that it took about 18 though, it? months. It's that thing of if you don't see a team like your treasure chest, yeah, and you, you haven't got a culture 
aspect in mind within your business and you don't see yourself whether you're a manager supervisor level or the owner of the salon as that's not my responsibility then that becomes presenteeism kicks in yeah absenteeism kicks in and it's asking yourself the right questions you know if when I was managing right if I ever had a member of staff who left I didn't even know what the phrase exit interview meant no. But common sense, personality type, personality type, caring attitude for the company as well. You know, it was a case of well, why are you leaving? Yeah. What talked to me about, and because I'd forged that relationship as somebody who was fair, but firm if they needed to be, and I'd get down and, you know, clean the toilet and everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if somebody was having a bad day, we'd look at a move around and that, I didn't even know what psychological safety was, but I was doing it. And it was this thing of being able to actually determine why that person was leaving so that we could then look at what we could do better. Don't see a lot of that. It's get rid, gone. You don't want to be here anymore. Well, I don't want you. Rather than the retrospective reflection of, well, what has happened, what hasn't happened for that person to then be leaving. It is, and it's terrible. And I know, like... You know, and I'll quite happily put my hand on the heart. And I, you know, I mean, I've I've been horrendous manager at different points, and especially when I was going through all of that stuff back yeah. in twenty fourteen. We well, can't 15, manage. You can't I manage was, when you're I like that. I couldn't manage myself, let alone anybody else. Yeah. And I made some really um, questionable decisions that I've spoken to people about since, and have had to go back and read because I've retrospectively. But that, gone, that's what, the, Sue. That's the point. Yeah. What You've was I doing? Self reflected back on it. Yeah. I guess there's a lot of people who don't even consider. consider No, but but I think as as a manager, you can't, you know, if you realise that you aren't going down the right track, that you need to speak to the people who you went down the wrong track with and and correct it. And I I hope I've managed to do that. I may not have done, but I think that the the things that I've, I've, where I know I was making wrong decisions, I have spoken to those people and have, and have gone, yeah, yeah, maybe we need to have a little chat about that because <laughs> it's terrible. It's and it was, and I and I was in a bad place where I was making bad decisions, and it and that happens when you're under that much stress and pressure, um, you don't make the right choices. Look, I broke literally broke in a meeting. So this yeah. is when I was in education. That my coping mechanism before I knew the word no yeah was so high that it was a case of my bucket was already there there was no outlets no nothing and I sat in a meeting and it was literally like people were putting lead weights in my bucket everything was coming back on me back on me and all I had that day was I'm taking the dog out for a walk I'm leaving on time and taking the dog out for and that that was what did me the the going in the bucket and I just went I can't do this anymore Mm. and a couple of my mates looked at me and were were like okay and literally I went blank Mm. don't remember any of it but I went blank yeah three months off work Mm. with no real positive (laughs) journey coming back into it but I look back on the culture of that place Mm. and it was designed to break you you know it it was just I learned the most yeah but sacrificed too much and I think it is and, and you know this, this is turning into like the Sue and Sam therapy session <laughs> um, 
but, but, it's, it's but you saying that though people Sam. knowing that you can be as strong as you are today yeah and everybody's got a story everybody's yeah, got everybody. a story but it's that journey that you take and those acknowledgements that you make that bring you to where you are at this point yeah and this is why I do what I do yeah and that is why you do what you do yeah. Is but you know, but you saying that that whole point of like of when the lead weight's going in, and and I think that in that moment where you broke, and I think we know like I've I've had a moment probably quite recently where I broke, and um and I think that that we need to as an industry recognise that a that's not acceptable, and b that we need tools in place to recognise when we're on that road to the break because you. Yeah. We don't no human deserves to get to that point. And it and we sh we shouldn't be in a place where we can't actually say, um, excuse me, but I, I can't do this now. But a we salon owner, a salon owner and manager can't control. There's no no control over what is happening in somebody's home life. Mm. But what you can create within your business is sanctuary. Yeah. That if you have that. And that becomes whereas if you're not that personality who is warm and nurturing, you yeah. need that within your team. You need someone to be that you person. Need, you need that person within your otherwise team. Otherwise, you're just battering people all the time. Yeah. And, it, and it's not a it's not. But nice then it's, it's the pressure that that owner feels because yeah. they don't yeah. know. They've not got the psychological skill set. Not, I'm not going to say emotional intelligence, but... No. But it's an awareness, isn't to, it? Maybe to, even a psychological awareness that yeah, how of how you can impact on another person. Yeah. Emotional intelligence is too strong. Yeah. It's that, and, we, you know, we can get into psychology of upbringing yeah. and everything else. It's, it's a recognition, it, it, isn't it? And a recognition of yeah. your own personality type and your own, um, how those extrovert elements of you affect other people. I've just had a brain, a little, a little brain jog um, from, when I, from when I was on PTA many years ago. And we had one of the girls that was on our PTA. <laughs> I've avoided that. Um, I know, see, this is a problem <laughs> girl through and through. Um, always been on every bloody committee. I need to start stopping that. I'm never doing it again. Um, but anyway, but this, I, I can see her, I can see her face and I can't think what her name was. It doesn't matter anyway. But she, we were sat in a meeting one night and there was a bit of a debate going on and it got quite heated. And she used this term effect. And it is, it's, and the and like now being more knowledgeable and stuff, I would imagine it's kind of a bit like um, Brangelina kind of thing. It's, um, it's a, a bit of a thing about the kinetics and the effect and it's how you affect, and it's the the result of someone doing something that affects you, is my understanding. And um, and it and it is, and I think maybe it's something that we need to look at more in this industry is this whole effect thing. Because she was just, we were all just like, what is that about? And she she sat and gave us this like proper um, psychologist version of what affecting is, and it's fascinating. And I think that's probably what we're describing. Yeah. Pretty much. Sorry, digressed. That's all right. But again, we're going back to you're setting up a business and you're putting HR stuff in place and you've got all the paperwork. But it becomes what do you do within your own CPD yeah. as that senior person to yeah. actually grow yourself mm. 
with leadership and management training. Yeah. So exactly. there's, you know, you've, you've already mentioned one. Carl Hinder is a brilliant coach. Mm. Wrong words. Sorry, Carl. Mentor, strategist. Yeah. He, he has a very good way of toughening you up. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great if you haven't got that. But again, Carl's history is... He's corporate. And a lot of that comes from out of sight of industry. Yeah, because, yeah. Because he's bringing that into industry because it isn't here. I was lucky. I had people literally, literally walked into the salon that I ran, multi-award winning salon, sister salon to another salon, who had the skill set because of where they'd come from, who then transferred it onto us. Yeah. Lucky stayed my life that day. Yeah major but again let's draw it back you might have a team of 12 you might have a team of three the same rule applies mm. in how you manage those individuals yeah and that and about balancing them isn't it as well yeah you know the balance and it is just creating it needs to you know yes we do need to have um rules and regulations within what we do within our businesses and you know the staff need to have like criteria that they have to work to and standards they have to work to but equally, we do have to have this soft side to our business where you do feel posited and you do feel valued and you do yeah. feel that you have a valid thing to say or, you know, whatever whatever you want to bring to the table will be recognised. It might, ne might not necessarily happen and, you know, that your idea or your thought or your comment may not be acted upon, but that you've got a safe environment to say it. So coming back to like the resilience thing, so, you know, we're looking at individuals and how we treat them as staff and how the managers act as an individual. But like, how, how does resilience affect um, the business generally as well as something that we, we might need to look at as so an For me, when you look at people, like I love Stephen Bartlett, right? I think that guy has just got it completely right. Um, he will talk about organisational resilience being that forefront so what again we hear on Facebook let's say in our industry is this person that person can't do can do the individual resilience mm. that individual's resilience that's one part of the whole psychological safety picture that if you haven't got organizational resilience and we bring it back down to policies procedures SOPs those bits of paper the boring but necessary in practice yep. within your brand image within your bubble of what you deliver yeah. so your last point of course really is your client you know and we we go oh i'm buying this product that product i'm putting this on the wall that on the wall but actually rewinding it back to when you even set up what am i trying to create mm. the type of people that i want to draw in yeah yeah there's a guy in the start States with your as well whose name I cannot remember, who is, he took a pay cut in his organisation mm. to make sure that he could keep the right people. And he now has, you know, thousands of people trying to recruit to his company because he got the psychological safety yeah. aspect of it right. So he attracts the talent. Yeah. So in this, this kind of famine of talent, yeah. you know, it, it becomes what not what could you do better because i hate that phrase or what could you do better it's what in addition to what you're doing can you grow yeah to make your business that go-to business i can yeah. tell you now 
the go-to business I ended up working for was the business that ended up getting taken over. And when I was at college, I said to myself, that is the salon I'm going to work at. Yeah. And everything that I did was to get myself through that door to work at that salon because it had the best reputation. Yeah. So, you know, what we put out there is, is so important, isn't it? Because you do, you know, you want to attract that Sam because she's so desperate to work for you. And that's what you want to create, isn't it? Is to have a, an establishment where people will quite happily walk away from another job they love because you, what you offer and how you deliver your service and all of that, the bigger picture, your salon avatar is With, that. It's not big, recruitment, is it? It's not recruitment. Be You're being a talent seeker. That yeah. That's what you're doing. So that rephrasing of I'm recruiting, well, I'm, I'm talent seeking. Yeah. Yeah. And are you constantly talent seeking, you know, or the, there's a whole kind of mindset change. Yeah. Your staff are your treasure box and you're attracting talent, not yeah. a employee. And I think one thing like that we were, to, we're going back slightly to the resilience and one thing that I, I wrote down that I, that I feel is something that's changed massively in our industry around resilience is that, you know, we have just come out of like, a very long time I don't even know I can't even well maybe only three years of pandemic and the effects of well the you've pandemic. got pandemic you've got Brexit you've now got the situation that we're in now we're not out of anything no we really. aren't out of anything and I think that we as a as an industry have you know I mean there, there, there isn't an industry that hasn't been affected by the pandemic but right. we were one of the one of the industries that were probably more affected by the pandemic and more people have shifted their way of working and thinking and everything around how they deal with clients and how they deal with their business as a result of those three lockdowns that we went through. And that has left us with, a, and it is a, a born stress and a born pressure that we have continued to take with us. And I was watching that um, This England recently that um, Kenneth Branagh did with um, all about Boris Johnson and the government through the pandemic. And it's it, to a degree, I think it's worth sitting through because it gives you a moment to reflect on where we were three years ago and what we went through because it is, and it was, it triggered me quite a lot of different things as, we, as I was watching it, mm. of what we've gone through, what my part in our industry story was, what every, you know, and all of us had some part in that, whether we were a salon owner, an employee, whatever, we all were invested in what happened during that time. And we all are carrying those kind of scars. Scars isn't the right word, but we're all carrying that emotional baggage with us still. Yeah. And we need to but be. There's, a, there's a continued ever. fear. There's a continued fear. Yeah. Because of what's continually the, the kind of the aftermath of it, what's we, going on in the rest of the world. And it, I think it's, the industry is feeling. Everything's Yeah. Everything's and there rather than the there. Industry's kind of cup is getting to the top. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And we've been there and our, our cup has overfloweth with stress, with stress, I can't say that's a hard one to say. It's, it's, stress fear. Previously. it's fear as well, yeah, isn't it? Fear. Fear. And I think that we felt victim, there was, or not all of us, there was an element of the industry that felt victimised then. There's an element of the industry that feels victimised now with all of the, and it is, and I, I am really feel for everybody that's got commercial premises at the moment, because I know that the issues around commercial energy are so different to residential energy. And I'm so glad I have not got a commercial premises at this point. But, you know, and all of those businesses are going to, they've got such a, 
a challenging time ahead of them and the resilience they need to grow now and getting this and that's why I thought it was so important to kind of have this conversation with you today Sam because we need to be resilient and our resilience has been battered and battered over the last few years and we need to find a way to look after ourselves and to look after our teams and to look after our clients because that's fundamentally why we're there yeah um and anything we can do any tools that we can have to ease that journey have got to be worthwhile sorry that's like my little monologue there <laughs> <laughs> but it is i think there's there's just something that at this point we're about to overflow again i feel i think we already are I think just talking to the people in the industry who deal with salon owners, there, there's a pressure cooker, pressure yeah. cooker going. <sighs> Silly season's here. Silly season will be over in a matter of weeks. Yeah. And then it becomes that pressure doll goes down. Yeah. But then a different pressure kicks in because we've gone yeah. feast. Is there going to be famine? Yeah. How are people going to spend in January? And unless you've got that skill set, that mindset, that forward thinking, you know, have you already planned towards it? Yeah. Majority have. But as we know, Facebook, there's always those people who don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Who are then going, well, I haven't got any clients in next week. What do I do? So that becomes firefighting. So it's, yeah. I think the language that needs to go out as well is, you know, firefighting, planning, two completely different things, two completely different strategies. And that's where, you know, something like your podcast that can go out and just say to those people, you know, well, actually, there's a problem with you and your business and being blunt enough to actually say that rather than oh babe well, have you tried this have you tried that yeah. that that's a tertiary that's toxic positivity yeah. that's a tertiary kind of thing to say you know do this now and you'll fill your till for a week that's not actually helping with not the helping. crux of what we're talking and, about and what i noticed is, yeah and what i notice most is that those posts you know and you see them heavily through november and into early december and until you've been serving in this industry for probably two or three years you don't see the patterns and so so often those posts of I've got no clients what am I going to do um oh my you know this one's cancelled I've got this no show and all of those those negative posts that happen at that time this time of year and you get this about a six-week period where clients just generally seem to go quieter and it happens you know no matter how busy your salon is you know, there are going to be cancellations, there are going to be no shows, there are going to be clients that stretch those appointments. And if you know that, then you can plan for it. And you and you have to remember that in within the resilience of your business has to be that you don't look at that day, that that oh. two days, that week, that month, even you look at the quarter, you look at the six months, and you look at the year, and your income isn't validated by how many people you have in on that day your your revenue is validated by how many people you have come in on the 300 days a year that you're open and you and you and if you start focusing on that minute detail of well it's Tuesday afternoon and I've had two clients cancel you're forgetting that on another 30 Tuesdays yeah. you were fully booked it also and, becomes that mindset of panic because I'm it's the 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 state of lack isn't it 
yeah. that person is automatically in a state of lack anyway yeah because and they they're... have a balance you know I mean I, I I always knew after the first two years of running my salon and even from being in, in industry previous to that when I had my home salon and when I worked for somebody else you know you see that there's this there's peaks and there's natural peaks and troughs you know and and it isn't even necessarily troughs there's a natural there's a natural line of clients and then you have peaks from that it's not that they're a trough they're just hmm. the, the day-to-day running of a salon line and then you have peaks at holiday seasons and you have peaks at wedding season you have peaks unless you're tracking that yeah and you've got you we go back to the boring but necessary systems yeah. in place you take your admin time out yeah you know you you were logging all of this you're not going to see it no so and, and I think it, and I mean and my my world changed when and I and I will mention Avatu because I loved Avatu and I'm just about to open my home salon I'm probably going to go back to Avatu because I tried a different brand and I didn't like them um but you know but the the reporting when you've got an online booking system that is meant for reporting um rather than just making calendar appointments yeah um is just you know and I could sit and I could pick out custom windows throughout my year and work out so you know when you're going to be quieter so then you can plan for it and then things like my white space planner come in really handy (laughs) (laughs) but it but you know but all of that you know you've you have to see the the you always need to look for the positives I think don't you and when you have got those quiet times there's a reason it's quiet and that's to allow you to grow 100 percent. yeah so bringing all of that back round two I'm going to quote an education thing, um, education psychology thing, but it's also outside of education. But when you start to learn to teach, or you should, you should be looking at the fundamental thing of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Yeah. If I said that to any salon owner, only probably the ones who've been in teaching or the ones who are interested in psychology are going to know what on earth I'm talking about. Yeah. If you don't understand Maslow's hierarchy of needs, go look it up and you'll see you know, what I'm talking about. Do you know what? The thing is, I know I've read, I know I've done it because I've I've done my petals and I have done Carver and I know that I know that, but I just can't recall any information about it. I blame menopause. So <laughs> Maslow's hierarchy of needs, to, to simplify it down, like when I was teaching, if we if we put it into that environment, when I was in Tottenham, I would know that my students who are in a place of lack by the way that their money would run out towards the end of the month would turn up on a Monday morning to my A&P class and would have fed their kids but not themselves so because I understood that I would get nothing out of them if they weren't fed watered feeling secure and safe that would be me taking breakfast in Mm. me do you know what this Monday morning it's always horrific I'm having breakfast with you so I'm not highlighting their lack, their need. Will you join me in having breakfast? Yeah. Yeah. So it becomes also how you introduce this into the salon, that your staff are in the same boat as you. They're going to have issues with their financial security and their financial safety. Part of your psychological safety, and um, if we bring in Maslow into our environment, are they fed? Are they watered? Are they at peace? Have they had enough sleep? Is their mindset great at the beginning of the day to deliver that service that you require them and that level to their clients? If you're not doing a five minute meeting, really every morning, just a check in with your team, 
everybody all right you're not going to know until somebody's imploded halfway through the day mm. so it it becomes that psychological concept of needs and safety becomes something very a very minor thing to do in salon that actually means a lot so yeah. like with you okay sausage rolls you know not the greatest but it's that thought of we're busy what can i put out in the back for my team yeah. have they got a bottle of water that they can take into the room that they're sipping because that's the other thing that staff will do i'm gonna have a coffee oh god i feel yeah. shaky i feel yeah. really funny at the end of that how many coffees you had oh, i've had six yeah. really small ones what are yeah. you doing to your body yeah you know it, it's your endocrine system is then going to go haywire. You're not going to sleep. You're not going to have the quality of sleep. You're not going to wind up. No. It's that understanding of what well-being yeah. is. Is and I'm I'm just sort of thinking. You know, may one of the things that I should have done and we all should do, especially if we have aromatherapy oils in our environment when we're at work, is have like a nice diffuser going in the staff area. Don't get me on that though. As as an aromatherapist. Just the, if you don't know what you're doing, don't put it on. Well, yes, there is that as well. But <laughs> maybe it's a pre-blended oil. <laughs> but, you know, but there, you know, there is every, every um, oil manufacturer does pre-blends. And, you know, maybe just having a, you know, a, a mindful or like oil burning in your yeah. staff area or even, you know, just through the salon generally, you know, just have something that initiates a calmness of mind. So don't even start me on lighting, mood setting, and everything because yeah. I feel oh, no. absolutely. This is it. There's just there's up. just so much There's just so many things that you can do, isn't there? Talk about but, yeah. One of the things I did want to kind of um, look at as well is that like the triggers that we have around us at Christmas, um, and and not necessarily just at Christmas because obviously the podcast podcast can be listened to and the video can be watched at any point throughout the year, and there's always, you know, Christmas is probably the biggest trigger for people, but you know, but it does go through to any time of the year it's being mindful of your teams and your your triggers yeah, yeah. and it yeah. is we was we were saying before we started recording you know like i i lost my mum on christmas eve she died at quarter to midnight on christmas eve and i my kids were um i think 10, 10 and 13 when she died and um or 10 no 10 and 12 when she died and um, um, we had to kind of hide it from the kids for two days to get them through Christmas. So I had my Christmas day having I'd lost my I went to bed having literally just got home from the hospital, having my, lost my mum. And the next morning I had to get up and, and play Christmas function. Yeah. And um, and it was and it, you know, understandably, it was a bit of a challenge. Um, and I was back, you know, I look back now what I did and I was back in the salon on the, on the 27th of December. I had my home salon at the time and I was back in and my poor client came in. I still remember, sorry. She came in and was like, oh, do you have a nice Christmas? And I was like, no, my mum died. And I was just, and I was that blunt. I, did, I think I, I was obviously like in a state of shock, shock, really. Yeah. But, um, but for me, for years, like now, you know, Christmas Eve is a couple of weeks away and it's 15 years ago. And, and it's, you know, it's still there, obviously, because it's never going to go away. But those points of understanding of and Christmas particularly is one of the biggest pressure points for grief awareness and I think that we need to all consider what our staff may have gone through in that year and our clients may have gone through in that year yeah. that is going to be their first Christmas of without 
that person or so this we... brings it back round to do you do your team have the toolbox yeah to be able to manage those types of situations yeah um just like i've got 10 percent battery oh goodness we better wrap up <laughs> but, um, but, it, but I, I, and I, I wanted to kind of just put that in because i know how challenging it was for me and i had a really good support network and probably for the next five six years and even now my best friend still texts me on christmas eve to say thinking of you today yeah and and those that and it and those support networks at that point in the year are so vital so you do need to consider what your staff have been through and it can be even just but it's also if your staff have the support network yeah you know i've I've shipped from north to south yeah beforehand and know nobody yeah so again it's that mindfulness of of who you've got as a a physical being in your business yeah um i'm the same as you you know i lost my dad last year yes it was september last christmas yeah this christmas is it's all right yeah. No, it's, it's all right. But if I walked into a salon and driving home for Christmas came on, I'd have to turn around and walk back out again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it, there it is, isn't there? There's that. all those different triggers and yeah. we do have to be so thoughtful. And it and for me, when like when I was in the salon, there'd be there would be certain songs like Nat King Cole. My mum loved Nat King Cole. So whenever that comes on. Trigger. And when yeah. I'm doing my Christmas, and it is, and the thing that always does me is I, when I was doing, I do my Christmas tree and I did it early this year much earlier than I normally do and it's still got me and I just as soon as there's certain decorations I put on the tree I've got a sentimental value and it just still rips me apart but and it's 15 years on but it there's but there's elements that you know someone else always knows what I'm going through and I think that if you're the boss of that person just having an understanding that they may be having a difficult time and that maybe their yeah. Christmas isn't the happiest to and especially at the moment, yeah. you know, with money and all the different things that are going on for people, you know, that's everybody's Christmas, particularly this year, is probably going to be. I'm, I'm going to use a Christmas. phrase here, okay? That it, it's you know, there's no iron team and all that crap, but it's it's not about me, it's about us. Yeah, and that was a phrase that was delivered to me in training years ago. That when you are leading a team leading not managing that it isn't just about that one individual mm. and it, it comes back to my, my favorite phrase at the moment is your treasure chest your mm. team are your treasure chest you know and you are that chest keeping them all in place um and bringing out you know their their shininess yeah you know every day with the client so valuing people and I think that's another thing that we've forgotten to do. Yeah. You know, to value the people that not are only coming in putting money in our pockets, but the people who are facilitating that. Yeah. So I think, we, I think we've also through the last couple of years, I think that we've all become um, perhaps a little bit more self-centered. Yeah. In some ways, that's not a yeah. bad thing. But I think when other people are struggling, that isn't such a positive. Um, it's when it becomes a problem that is impacting on how everything else is functioning i think um, because we have we've had to look after ourselves and we've had to bring it down to our household and and the people living in it and we had to and although we were doing it all for the greater good and the rest of it but you have had to be that selfish that you have looked after yourselves and your loved one and i think now with everything that's happening we need to kind of open our arms again don't we yeah and open our hearts again really 100 percent. yeah so yes 
So we'll, I think we'll leave the discussion there, but how can, so what have you got coming up? Cause I know you've got some like really exciting stuff coming up. Um, my first pillar as it were that I'm releasing is the RQF level three supervising mental health in the workplace. Um, I'm not allowed to call it mental health first aid because that's trademarked by another company. Um, but it, it's basically what it is. Um, you know, what's in a name. It's a qualification that lasts for three years when you did it, you do it. Yeah. There is a level one, two, and three. Level one and two are more for team awareness. Level three is where you are learning, I'm going to call it the hard stuff, the nitty-gritty from personality disorders and personality issues and signposting and recognition right the way through to anxiety depression and that conversation with somebody with suicide so mm. it's you know we have tom chapman he does an absolutely blinding job love the guy i'm coming from a different tact with it it's about you and your team and looking at each other as well as looking at the client um and then that will feed into my well-being champion program so it's something that corporate does you know you have a well-being champion it's usually the health and safety person um but bringing that down to to sort of base level where somebody has the skill set and is that go-to point that bridge if you like between i'm feeling this way i'm not functioning i don't really want to go and talk to the owner or I'm not sleeping, I'm breastfeeding, I've got menopause symptoms, you know, it, it's that whole thing, or I feel like I need to go through transition, or whatever it may be, you have somebody in your team who can, yes, look at the clients and help to deal with that side with the clients, but also you've got somebody who's your anchor, and who's that anchor who will then bridge that person where they need to go and signpost them, but enable that safe place that sanctuary yeah. to be at work and it could be one person or it could be the whole of your team yeah you know that that is entirely up to you how you you sort of forge your cpd with your, your team yeah so yeah it's my passion project yeah. and i will be doing stress risk assessment with you because how many people have got them in our industry five or more employees you should have a stress and well-being policy and risk assessment in place um if you haven't then that's what I will do with you as well. Yeah, yeah. that's good. And I, th but I think as well, the HSE kind of missed the point sometimes, don't they, with his five employees or more. And um, and I, it, that's and although it, as a legal that's requirement, law. there has to be there has to be a criteria and there has to be a point. Yeah. But I do think that as a as a serious salon professional owner, if you have a team of more than you, it's something that you probably just as, as like good practice, you know, just because it's not a legal requirement. Do you know for what? You. I'm going to rewind it back. It's part of your SOP. If yeah. you've got your systems and operational procedures, even if it's up there, you know, it's the due diligence thing. And have you done everything that you can do yeah. to make that sanctuary, safe place, that place where everybody wants to come, whether it's yeah. to work or to come for service? Yeah. And that's just not about yeah. having nice fluffy towels. No, is you know? that, is, that is important. Let's not take that away. And a cocktail having, bar. having yeah. soggy oil covered towels really is a turn off. And I've been to that salon or that spa. Where yeah. You could feel the weight of the oil on you. Oh, 
So this, this is the other thing that I'm noticing, just to, to sort of add this point in the end. A lot of people going, oh, I'm serving cocktails, I'm serving alcohol, I'm serving this. Do you actually, and can, could you actually recognise if a client comes in who's saying, no, thank you, no, thank you, there could be a reason behind that? Yeah. You know, so have your team actually got that mindset? And also, sorry, because it's one thing that always comes into my head is that, and it, I think it's different if they're coming in and having their nails done, coming in and having their hair done. But if they're coming in and they're lying on your couch, why are you giving them alcohol? Sorry, just whole health and safety thing going on there. Just leave that there. And thank you, Sam. Her battery obviously died. We've been on the we've been on a little while before we were doing recording as well. So thank you so much, Sam, for coming on and talking about everything to do with um, in the salon well-being for our teams and for ourselves as owners and business um, professionals we really do need to kind of think about that kind of stuff so thank you very much I am going to have probably one more episode before Christmas then I'm going to take a break for a couple of weeks and would love to thank you all for listening and for watching and I will speak to you all soon bye for now thank you for listening to inspiring salon professionals if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share with fellow industry professionals that you think may enjoy the show. Links and further information can be found on the show notes or on my website, www.suedavies.org. Here you can also find some downloadable free guides that you may find of use. You can also hear from me and join the inspiring salon professionals community on my Facebook group. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye for now.